Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Global Founders Podcast. This is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. On Global Founders, you will hear from trusted voices who are working to further any of the precinct's six core focus areas. We hope that these conversations will spark new ideas, encouraging and empowering leaders in their work, ultimately moving us all towards the precinct's vision of thriving, just, and free societies worldwide. And now, on with today's episode. I'm honored today uh, to have our special guest uh, with us today, uh, Jonathan Miller, who is the president of Airborne Lifeline and is also a member of the Global uh, Advisory Council at the Presidential Precinct. I've had the honor and privilege to, to work alongside Jonathan for several years uh, through the Presidential Precinct and always just been so inspired by the work that he does um, at you know, Airborne Lifeline and just across the world to invest in leaders. And uh, many of you might have uh, read the recent news about Jonathan and his work across Sub-Saharan Africa um, with vaccine uh, distribution. And while, you know, many people were, um, you know, in quarantine and, you know, working remote from home, um, you know, Jonathan was uh, on the front lines, making sure that people had um, access to quality uh, vaccine. So Jonathan, it's such an honor to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Neil. It's always great to be with the presidential precinct folks. Jonathan, um, you know, I've, I've heard you mention in the past that, um, you know, the place where someone lives should not be a barrier to, to healthcare access. And you've committed yourself to narrowing the gap specifically in sub-Saharan Africa um, love, uh, you know, to share a little bit more about uh, Airborne Lifeline Foundation. Well, thanks, Neil. Uh, it was um, accidentally created uh, during the HIV/AIDS pandemic. Um, I literally was—I I first started going to Africa in the early '80s. In fact, became a Peace Corps director in Botswana in 1983. But I was actually back in Africa for a commercial client. Uh, for Beechcraft, which was then owned by Raytheon, and we were um, looking at trying to get these turboprop aircraft uh, picked up by African Airlines. But I was in Botswana at the time of the HIV pandemic, and it was really, really virulent. And um, I started talking to the health minister, uh, Joey Pamafi, who's a very dear friend of mine. She now runs the African Leader Malaria Alliance, and Joe Huggins, the then ambassador. And it was obvious that if you were not in urban areas, you were not, didn't have access to, forget HIV, AIDS, medication or testing, uh, you didn't have access to preventative care specialists. And I somehow decided, well, let's create a service where we can take the same doctors on the same days and go to these same remote areas. And that's how Airborne got started. Um, and Initially, uh, a lot of uh, expatriates that didn't leave the capital thought it was a dumb idea, and I was stupid and went, uh, and, and stubborn. So we went ahead and formed a foundation and signed an agreement with the government of Botswana. And um, we started the service, but we didn't have any funding, so we mortgaged our farm in Virginia. Now, much later, we got U.S. government funding, and people like Secretary of State Baker gave us money, and the Merck Foundation gave us money. But that's how it got started. And it's just... If you can logistically overcome something, um, 
why not do it? So that's the genesis of Airborne. And it, for eight years, we did that in uh, Botswana, and then we did pediatric HIV AIDS work in Malawi, and we did uh, HPV work in, in Zambia. And then I rolled it up when I went to run Peace Corps Africa, but now we've started it again. That's amazing, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how the organization works. Um, you say you bring bring together, you know, health providers and um, prop planes and, you know, really getting uh, basic quality health care to the last mile. It's uh, fascinating. Many, many parts of the world, you can get a Coca-Cola bottle uh, to rural communities, but you can't get basic access to quality health care. And how do you bring all those components together under Airborne Lifeline Foundation? Well, it's pretty simple in a way. Um, we uh, are the, you know, the Uber, so to speak. Um, we work with the ministries of health and, and the government uh, in these countries. Uh, we have to have agreements with the ministries of health. Uh, and we work with some private sector people. And um, it all we did, it's a, we're a glorified taxi service. Uh, we take doctors and medicines and bring back tests and things like that, and we run it on a scheduled basis. So I just do the logistical side of things. Um, we get agreements with the governments, and then we work with different providers, whether they are government doctors and nurses, or whether they're, uh, in the case of Botswana, we did work with the University of Pennsylvania and Baylor, and the same thing in Malawi, we did it with Baylor. Um, so we have private sector partners, we have government partners, we are just the logistical side. All we do is, you know, convey the, the uh, medical personnel and the medicines and the vaccines and bring back testing stuff. So we're the USPS or the UPS uh, with wings. Well, a, a critical uh, component, I, I must add, and, uh, you know, you've got such a a fascinating background and experience. And I'd love to hear, uh, you know, what experience Merler in your career has really prepared you to meet, you know, these needs uh, uh, through Airborne Lifeline Foundation? Well, um, I, I think it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, I look back um, and I had so many opportunities presented to me and so many people that helped me along the way. And it's sort of a building block that wasn't just one some oh, aha moment. I mean, I look at different things that occurred in my life, which I now think was for a reason, and that gave me either a mentor or an experience that got me to the next step. And that's, so I can't say that's just one thing. I Yes, I had early experience as a Peace Corps director in Botswana, but then I had access to in, introductions to people when I was in the State Department, the National Security Council, and the White House, and that gave me a, a, a plethora of resources and people that um, I could call upon and experiences. So as I say to people, I'm not necessarily smart, but I've got a lot of scar tissue. And um, uh, I can't point to one thing, but uh, it's, a, it's a plethora of things that were, as I say, a building block. Jonathan, you know, very few times the, the leaders have straight lines on one career trajectory. They see a problem, they pivot, they move, and um, and do what it takes to address that problem. You've moved in and out of, you know, government to the private sector to then creating your own foundation. Um, share a little bit more about, you know, the way that you think about pivoting as a leader. I, 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 and I'll be happy to. I mean, it's one of my 
when my farewell, they did a farewell video for me at um, when I left Peace Corps, and one of my country directors said, the guy in Rwanda, who's an old, old Peace Corps hand, said, you know, Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until you get punched in the nose. Uh, and he said, Jonathan always has another plan after you get punched in the nose. And I said to one of the guys that I'm doing, working on these testing, uh, aviation testing, um, I said, I'm a big guy and uh, calling audibles and broken field running. Um, so um, I'm constantly, if there's a if there's a problem, I constantly think, well, there's got to be a solution here somehow. That's sort of my philosophy. Well, Jonathan, we're uh, so glad that you recently joined the Global Advisory Council. And, and as you know, the, the goal of the council really was to bring together a global community of of leaders from, you know, alum of the presidential precinct to uh, corporate leaders, foundation leaders, and uh, individuals who are working to improve communities around the world. And, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, um, you know, why you agreed to, to serve in this position as someone who is a, a very busy individual um, and uh, what impact do you hope to have uh, in this role? Well, I remember the first time I became exposed to the presidential precinct, uh, I think it was in Washington several years ago when I first met you, Neil, and thanks to our friend Francois Baird. Um, and I was blown away by the um, sheer intelligence and experience and enthusiasm of all those young leaders that I first met. And especially, and I know, you know, Presidential precinct is not exclusively Africa, um, and I've worked in other parts of the world as well, in Asia Pacific regions, et cetera. But you know, with the demographics of the developing world, it's youth are the, the future, and um, the beauty of the presidential precinct is it gets leaders from so many different sectors um, who uh, are bright, um, have great ideas, but need um, possibly some doors open for, to to them or uh, um, um, you know, to be mentored or to kick some ideas around. It's not that we've, um, we gray hairs are, are brilliant, but we've had some experiences that we can share with these people. But I'm confident, given what I've seen uh, out of the presidential precinct um, alumni, and uh, that the future of these countries are bright, and the way that they network with each other is simply amazing. And um, so it, well, you were pushing on an open door to ask me to do this. <laughs> well, we're so lucky to have you, uh, Jonathan, and, you know, we have a lot of listeners today who, um, you know, are leaders around the world who are tackling big problem sets in their communities, and, you know, some folks that are listening in that are looking to get more involved and, uh, you know, tackle, tackle problem sets that they see facing their specific communities, and love to hear from you if you have, a, you know, any advice um, for those leaders who are hoping to get back? Um, well, I think because there have been times that I've been, you know, I've been flying high and the next minute, you know, I'm not flying so high is uh, uh, life is full of all sorts of obstacles. But um, uh, if, some, if you're dealt a setback, um, you know, sort of pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And um, uh, and every, there have been times where I've you know, been dealt setbacks, um, and that's life. But uh, it sometimes presents another opportunity. Um, I mean, I was originally nominated to go for a very senior position, and I'm glad I didn't take it. 
um, at USAID and instead took the Peace Corps uh, to run Peace Corps Africa, which got me my hands even dirtier in, in a good sense of the way. But that at the time that I withdrew my uh, nomination to run AID Africa, I now look back in hindsight and recognize that one, I had a greater job at Peace Corps Africa, uh, and two, it wasn't necessarily, at the time it looked like it was, a, it was a setback, it wasn't a setback, it was an experience builder, and I'm glad that I ended up doing Peace Corps Africa instead of running AID Africa. So it's what a moment when you have a setback, I mean, you've got friends and mentors that you can talk to, but I'll give you a real quick example. Um, that is not here, but I was visiting my 94-year-old father in, in Kentucky, his health was not good. So I got in a cab at the Louisville Airport, and there was this nice young man there. And he and I started talking, I said, where are you from? He said, I was originally from uh, the Congo, but I, we went to a refugee camp when I was six months old. And we're in Tanzania until I was 15, and we ended up here in Kentucky because we were settled here. And, and so I mentioned, oh, well, I was doing Peace Corps. And he said, oh, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Benin. And I said, you were? And he said, yeah, until last March. And I said, oh, I evacuated you. And he said, well, do, you, do you know Stephanie, my mentor? I said, Stephanie worked for me. Um, and he, so we got her on the phone with him. And he said, Stephanie, you know, here I am back driving a cab. I'm the first person in the family to go to college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I feel like my career has just gone in reverse. Well, well some of my friends at Peace Corps mentored him. And lo and behold, he's now in Washington and he's working for Peace Corps uh, as a full-time employee. Um, so here he was sort of devastated. He had thought his career had gone backwards, but actually he's now very happy. He's gonna to go to graduate school. Peace Corps is gonna pay for it. Um, and um, so when things look really dark, don't give up. Uh, that's my biggest advice. And working in these emerging markets, emerging countries, Things can be dark at times, but, you know, the John Olajidas of the world are classic examples of a guy who left Nigeria at age 16. He's now a self-made man, and he's now giving back to, um, to, um, to Nigeria. But when he was dirt poor as a student in Dallas, he was, he was desperate. So don't give up. There are people out there that are out there to help you and mentor you, and I've had people mentoring me. I wouldn't have had the experience that I had if people hadn't helped me and guided me and given me. And that's what is the beauty of you know, what Jim Murray created in the presidential precinct. That's uh, powerful, Jonathan. I think that's advice that everyone uh, needs to hear. And because, uh, you know, the journey as a leader is not a straight path. There's a lot of ups and downs and, um, but if you're a force, you, you have vision, um, have a great support system, and uh, can pick yourself back up when, when things get difficult, um, you know, you'll persevere. And, uh, you know, so grateful for, for you giving that advice. And uh, thank you as well for, um, you know, introducing us to, to John. And, you know, we're so fortunate to now have him on the board of directors. Uh, thanks to that introduction and uh and to work work more closely with him um and uh it's exciting things to come uh on that front as well uh with dallas and so um i love to hear uh jonathan from you uh you know what's next for you and and for airborne lifeline uh foundation i, I know that you know the covid response was uh you know 
fit right into the wheelhouse. And but it's not the only thing that that you all all do as an organization. I'd love to hear uh, about the way that you're thinking about the future. Well, what we're thinking about now, um, now that we've revived Airborne, um, is uh, localizing it. Um, and so, you know, it has been a 501c3 based in the states, but we're now, for instance, creating a, a, um, a localized and incorporating in, in Botswana as a local charity because we want it to be uh, become uh, 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 sort of a permanent uh, focus there. And we'll probably do the same thing. We're just getting ready to start service of COVID-19 vaccines in Namibia in about two weeks time. And I was on the phone this morning with folks in Malawi on that. But we're also talking uh, in Botswana about, you know, because of the major adva advances in HIV AIDS, um, although it's still a big problem in Africa, but because of, uh, you know, uh, medications and things like that, young ladies and, and young girls are now surviving HIV AIDS uh, that they've received because of unprotected sex, but they have a high risk of cervical cancer. Uh, and cervical cancer is a big killer uh, of, of young women in Africa. So uh, we're discussing uh, starting the program of HIV, HPV uh, testing and uh, vaccine distribution with Airborne in Botswana. So that's the next thing that we're looking at um, uh, with, with Airborne. But I'm working on other projects. I'm working with Mima Nadelkovich about building a hospital in Guinea. And um, um, I'm doing a lot of uh, other things outside of Airborne that are in, in, in I'm, I'm working with a bunch of MIT whiz kids on advanced uh, PCR testing in aviation facilities in Sub-Saharan Africa. So um, there are other things that I'm working on. But um, for Airborne, I think HPV is the next thing. It's incredible, uh, Jonathan. Thank you so much uh, for your leadership and for what you're doing for communities around the world. It's uh, You're making a, an incredible impact on tens of thousands of people. And it's such an honor to, to work along side of you and uh we're really grateful to have you as uh, a guest today thank you thank you very much neil